Hello and welcome to Leanne Ward Nutrition, a podcast where you will find expert advice on all things health and nutrition related. Each week, we will discuss my three niche areas of gut health, emotional eating and sustainable fat loss. My hope for this podcast is to cut through the BS online and show you real, practical and evidence-based messages around nutrition so you can live your best life day in and day out. So sit tight, buckle up and let's get started on today's podcast. Welcome to podcast episode 99, all about habits. Before we dive into today's episode, I am super excited to announce that the episode is brought to you by Anna Louisa Jury. That's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A. I'm excited to partner with this brand as they have a sustainable mission and their beautiful pieces of jewelry are stunning, yet timeless, versatile, but most importantly, affordable with pieces starting at just 39 US dollars. If you're wanting to spoil yourself or your loved ones, check out Anna Louisa for 10% off at shop.analouisa.com forward slash Leanne, as I can't get enough of their gorgeous pieces. So for 10% off, use the code Leanne in capital letters or head to the show notes for my discount link to treat yourself and your loved ones to some Anna Louisa jewelry. In today's episode, I have a real treat for you guys. Dr. Gino Cleo is a charismatic habit expert, dietitian, and science communicator who's passionate about translating research into simple, actionable strategies for peak performance, health, and well-being. Gina holds a PhD in habits and is recognized as a thought leader and expert advisor in all areas of behavior change, including business, corporate, mindset, and lifestyle habits. Today, Gina runs the Habit Change Institute, where she teaches evidence-based strategies for achieving long-term success through the power of habits. On today's episode, Gina and I start off by discussing what exactly is a habit and how we develop one. We chat the neuroscience behind habits, the difference between a habit and a behavior, how long it really takes to form a habit. This will surprise you guys how to stop rewarding ourselves with food or alcohol, tips to break unhealthy habits, how motivation ties into habits and long-term success strategies and how to actually achieve your goals. So sit tight, listen up, grab a pen and paper and a cup of tea and let's dive into today's episode with Gina. Welcome to the podcast today, Dr. Gina. I'm so excited to have you on. Thanks so much, Leanne. It's great to be here with you. And I love that not only are you a dietitian, but you are also a PhD habit expert. So that to me is just so exciting. And I have a million and one questions to ask you, but I will try to stick to our time limit today. (laughs) Sounds awesome. Thank you. And I like to start the podcast off by just seeing how people have been going. You know, the last year or two is, it's been a funny one, hasn't it? With what's been happening around the world and the COVID-19 pandemic. How have you been faring this year? Been traveling? Mm, It sure has been an odd one. It's actually been a pretty good year so far. I have to say 2020 really taught me to be a lot more adaptive than I normally am. And that has come to really serve me well this year. So it's been okay. What about yourself? Yeah, pretty good. As I was saying before we jumped on the podcast, we've got some, not issues with the house, but we're thinking of building new. So it's like how to find a builder and the supplies are in short supply. So it's like, do we, can we get timber? Can we get a roof? So we've had some challenges and neither my hubby or I are very good at 
like we've got zero experience in renovating, so we're sort of, well, like we have no experience, we're so out of our depth, but it's been a fun little challenge. I've got my little Pinterest mood board for our house inspiration, so oh, been trying to find the silver lining in as many things as possible, I think, this year. <laughs> yeah, wow, what a thing to go through on top of everything. Oh, all the best for you guys. Thank you so much. And we'll dive deep into habits to start with. But firstly, before we do, I would love to know what got you interested in this area of habit forming? How did you get into it? It's a really cool space to work in. Yeah, it is such a niche area. As you said before, I worked as a dietitian and I was doing that for nearly 10 years and I loved doing it. But what I was finding in my clinic was I could help people short term. So they'd come, we'd help them lose weight, for example, and then I would see them again weeks or months later to try to achieve the same goals that we'd already worked on and we'd already achieved. And initially, I just thought I was a terrible dietitian because I'm a big foodie. But then when I started to read into the medical literature about sustainable change, I found that it wasn't just me. And that actually 95% of people who set out a goal don't end up achieving it long term. So I ended up putting my clinic on hold. I was offered to do a PhD at Bond in the area of sustainable change. And the more reading that I did, the more inevitable it came that habits was really the line that I needed to go down. And, you know, it's been about six or seven years later. This has just been my full-time gig. I'm full-time into the habit space. I love that. That's so exciting. And that's a really quite overwhelming statistic, isn't it? 95% of people can't reach the habits or the goals that they set out to begin with. Yeah, absolutely. And it can be so frustrating for people. And so to understand why we do the things we don't want to do or why we don't do the things that we've set out to do, it's really empowering. And it creates this whole new toolbox, I guess, of strategies that you can implement to actually achieve long-term change. 100%. And I would love for our listeners to take away from this podcast today. It's not us. There's nothing wrong with us. We're not broken. We're not bad people. There's just so much that goes into habit forming and long-term success, isn't there? Exactly. And this has been, you know, when people start to understand that, there's this overwhelming rush of self-compassion and kindness because they realize that actually they're not flawed. They're not failures. They just haven't been using the right strategies. I love that. So let's go, Dr. Gina. Let's let's start with the very, very basics. So what is a habit and how do we develop one? So habits are actions that we do automatically. They're those actions that would feel strange, I guess, if we didn't do them. They're actions that are automatically responding to a trigger. So when we consistently repeat a behavior straight after a trigger, like a time or a place or an emotion, then there are neural pathways that are in our brain and they're created and they're linked from the trigger to the action. And gradually, the more that we repeat the behavior, then these neural pathways become ingrained and they get fired whenever we're exposed to a trigger. So to give you an example, if you put your seatbelt on each time you sit in the car, then sitting in the car becomes a trigger for putting on your seatbelt. And the more you do that, the more automatic that habit will become. I love that. And I'm thinking of another one. Say say you have a really bad week at work and you get home on a Friday night and you open that bottle of wine. If you do that consistently enough, that's probably going to become a Friday night habit for you, isn't it? That's exactly right. Yeah. Whatever you do consistently in response to something else is going to become a habit. So they're almost like behaviors, but more 
ingrained ones or deeper ones that we do consistently again and again? Yeah, I guess the difference between habits and behaviours is that behaviours use a reflective part of our brain. That's the part that's responsible for deliberate decision-making. It's logical decisions. For example, stop eating after one cookie or go to bed on time or pick the healthy option from the menu. And behaviours require energy and effort. They um, need a bit of motivation. Whereas there's this other part of our brain, the impulsive brain, and this brain system reacts to emotions and memories. It's impulsive and spontaneous. It's most of the time, very pleasure-seeking. So for example, eat the whole packet of cookies because they're delicious (laughs) or pick up pizza on the way home from work on a hard day, even though there is already ready-made, say, frittata at home or buy that new expensive television because you don't feel great, you know, this week or today. Habits don't require any energy. They're impulsive, they're automatic, they're subconscious. And that's really the biggest difference between habits and behaviors is that habits are initiated because you've encountered a trigger, whereas behaviors require conscious energy from our brain to make decisions to move forward. Right. And we're thinking about long-term success. It's really those habits that will get us to where we want to be, isn't it? Because we don't sometimes have that energy to expend every single day thinking about all of these things that we need to do in order to stay healthy or achieve our goals. That's exactly right. When we think of the brain, you know, we make 35,000 decisions every single day. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, it's massive. And I mean, if we were to consciously make every one of those decisions, oh my goodness, Leanne, we would be exhausted before we've even gotten out of bed. (laughs) And so habits really, they serve us in a way of just streamlining our life to automate systems so that we don't have to make 35,000 conscious decisions. And I think my favorite habit of all is, you know, me and so many other people in the world do a lot of driving, right? And I can't remember the last time I thought about actually driving. And I know that probably sounds quite dangerous, but I, you know, <laughs> besides putting my belt on and turning the, you know, the ignition in the car, I can't, I don't yeah. think about, you know, flicking the indicator on when I, when I merge or I change lanes, it just, it happens. It's something that I do. And sometimes I get to places that they're a really familiar route that I've done again and again and again, like going to the grocery shop. And then I get there and I'm like, oh, I can't even really remember driving here. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that's so dangerous. But I guess that's a perfect example of like an automatic habit, something I've done so many times that I don't need to expend any thought or energy into that behavior. Exactly right. But then think of the very first time you drove a car. It was terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) And how much concentration you were using, how much brain power you were using. And now you've flicked over to this impulsive system where you're not even conscious about it anymore. And the funny thing with that is, you know, we like to think that we're making decisions for our lives. We like to think that we're weighing up the pros and cons and deciding what's going to be best for us. But the reality is we operate out of this autopilot system most of the time. And these automatic actions that you're talking about, like driving, are actually your habits. And we must do so many of them every single day. And my morning coffee, oh, guys, it's got to be a habit. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think about even which button to press on the machine anymore. I'm just like, (laughs) even when I go to the coffee shop and I just, the order just comes out of my mouth. I don't even have to think about it anymore. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> and so in terms of habits, because I'm sure we all want to create more and particularly more healthy habits. I've read so many different researches and literature and that sort of thing in terms of how long it takes to make or break a habit. But I'd love to know from you, Dr. Gina, our expert today, how long does it really take to create a new healthy habit? It, is it as long as some of the, I think the research that says it's, you know, up to a couple of months? Oh, I so love that you have asked me this because one of my hobbies is dispelling this myth about how long it takes <laughs> to really change a habit. So you may have heard that it takes 21 days or 28 days. You said that you've heard a couple of months. Actually, the research shows that it takes anywhere between 18 days to 254 days, mm-hmm. with the average being around 66 days. Now, where 21 or 28 days came from is actually a study that was done in like the 1960s. And it was a study done with amputees, so people that have had a limb amputated. And there's this theory of the phantom limb of, say, you had your arm amputated, you're still going to reach out for your mug, for example, until your brain catches on that that limb is no longer there. So the theory of the phantom limb went away after about 21 or 28 days. So the researchers were like, okay, this is neuroplasticity. The brain has finally caught on. Habits have changed. But as you can imagine, that is not at all generalizable to the general population. That's very like specific cohort. So if you work on roughly 66 days, knowing that it could be a bit less or it could be a bit more, then that's your safe bet there. I love it. And then how would we know once we've created that habit? Is it just because we wake up and we don't have to think about it as much? It's something that we're almost like going to do before we even say, all right, now I've got to do this today. Is it that sort of that automatic pathway that starts to kick in around about that day 66? Exactly right. So when you said, how did I even get here when you're driving (laughs) somewhere familiar, then you know it's a habit. You haven't had to consciously think or remember to do it. Um, The other thing is if it would feel strange if you didn't do it anymore, if you went about your day, if you went about your day and didn't have a coffee, Leanne, your day wouldn't have even started yet. So you know that that's a habit because life, there's like something's missing yes. and you know that that's a habit. Yes. So I'd be like, why am I in such a bad mood today? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So healthy habits around 66 days. I love that. I love that we dispelled the myth because you see a lot of, you know, it only takes 21 days or 28 days. And yeah, I think a lot of people would kind of give up if they put all of their time and energy and focus into 21 days and they get to day 21 and it's like, this is still exhausting. This still feels really, really hard. I'm not quite there yet. What's the point? So I think that knowing that that 66 days is really where the research is showing us is it's powerful, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and, you know, when I think of the 21 or 28 days or putting a really fixed number on it like that, I think of really complex habits and then really simple habits. It's obviously going to be much quicker to form a simple habit. So if I was to say to you, I want you to start having a glass of water with your breakfast every day, and I would also like you to do 50 (laughs) push-ups at the same time, it's going to feel a lot easier and a lot more automatic with time to have your water as opposed to it feeling habitual and automatic and natural to do 50 push-ups. So the more complex a behavior is, the longer it takes 
to become a habit. So having a fixed number is not at all accurate. That's why there's such a big range with it. That makes total sense. Yeah. And I, I, I'm thinking of an example where when I go to my dentist and it reminds me of sometimes when I used to have clients, when I worked in um, the hospital and they'd come back and they hadn't done anything and I'd said, and I'm like, oh, this is driving me insane. And I must be the same to my dentist when he goes back and he's like, hey, do you floss regularly? I'm like, no, but, and then I come up with all of these excuses. And he's like, Leanne, it's like, you know, 30 seconds out of your day, like 60 seconds is all I'm asking for each night. And so I put a stopwatch next to, um, in my bathroom and I was like, 60 seconds, that's all it is. I'm going to floss. And yeah, after a while it became that automatic habit because it, it was an easy thing to do. And I think in a couple of weeks time, I didn't even need that stopwatch anymore. And flossing something I do pretty much every night now, because it's just yeah. part of my nighttime routine. So you're correct. And yeah, of course, you're correct in saying that those simple habits are a lot easier to pick up a lot quicker on. They? Yeah, absolutely. I love that example. Oh, that's inspired me now. <laughs> my poor dentist. <laughs> my next dentist appointment. Yeah. He's like, think about your clients. Like you're telling them not to drink soft drink and they come back every time and they say, no, I haven't done that yet. And I was like, yeah, it would drive me insane. And he's like, see? <laughs> yes. We are all really in the same boat with each other, aren't we? <laughs> it's like, I can find this like 60 minutes a day to exercise, but I can't find 60 seconds a day to floss my teeth. <laughs> so true. Then you know, it's really not a time thing. It's just something you don't particularly want to do. <laughs> exactly. 100%. So good habits are things that we all want. Now, what about those bad habits or not so great habits? Is the research the same? Is it around that, you know, 30 to 66 day mark in terms of breaking a bad habit? Because a lot of us have picked up quite a few unhelpful habits in the last year or two, particularly with <laughs> yes. lockdown and being at home and I'm thinking like extra snacking and that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, as a general rule, yes, it does take roughly the same amount of time. If you think of when you're breaking an old habit, you're essentially putting a new habit in place at the same time. Mm -hmm. So if you normally say have a snack when you're not hungry, you're going to be replacing that with doing something else or doing nothing at all, which is still going to be a new habit. So yeah, it actually does take the similar amounts of time, which is good news, I think. That makes complete sense. And I don't think I've ever thought of it that way, that if we're <laughs> trying to break a habit, we're going to replace that with something else. Makes mm. total sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So when we're creating healthy habits, is there any tips that you have for our listeners to make this a little bit easier or to help us get down that automatic pathway? Because that's sort of the goal that we're aiming for, isn't it? It's that automation yeah. with these healthy habits that we want to create. Yeah, absolutely. So my number one tip would be start small. You want to focus on consistency, not intensity. Mm -hmm. I always say that consistency is the secret source to forming new habits. So for example, with starting small, you know, if your goal is to say walk 10,000 steps a day, instead of saying, okay, I'm going to walk 10,000 steps from now on, you would just say something like, I'm going to increase my daily steps whenever I'm walking. And then you want to build on that step count each week or each month. If you start a really big goal on the offset, it's not as likely for you to maintain that behavior long-term. Mm -hmm. But if you start small and you build on that habit as it develops, you're much more likely to have that long-term sustainable change. So that's tip number one. I would also say that it's really important and it's actually not just important, it's completely crucial for you to assign a trigger to the habit that you want to create. So what I mean by that is like with your flossing, for example, Leanne, you said you were doing it as part of your evening routine. So you would say, after I've brushed my teeth, I'm going to floss for one minute. 
So after you're brushing your teeth is going to be your trigger for flossing. So you always have to assign a trigger to the goal. It's great to say, I want to eat more fruit, but well, when are you going to eat more fruit and how are you going to remember to do that? So you would change a goal from, I want to eat more fruit to when I come home from work, I will have a piece of fruit. Then, you know, coming home will trigger you. And the beauty of that is the more you do it, the more just coming home will trigger that habit and you no longer need to have motivation or remember or think about it. It's just something that happens. Yeah, definitely. And do you find it's helpful to write things down as well or put like little sticky notes up around the house or do you find that linking the habit to something that is already happening such as coming home from work or, you know, waking up and having breakfast and there's that trigger to have that glass of water with it? Do you find it's more, I guess, reinforced or helpful to write things down and leave ourselves? I love leaving little sticky notes all around my house to just (laughs) remind myself of things that I need to do. Is that helpful as well? Yeah. I mean, at the very beginning stages of developing a habit, it definitely does help to have those reminders, whether they be sticky notes or like alarms and things like that. But as the habit is continuing and as you're repeating it more and more, Mm -hmm. then you can let go of those reminders exactly like you did with the 60 second countdown for your flossing. Mm -hmm. You don't need it anymore. And another really great thing to write down is using a habit tracker to actually track how well you're doing with your habits If you just Google habit tracker and look at images, there's a whole bunch that you can download online or there's apps that you can use as well. We know that having that self-monitoring, that accountability doubles your chance of success. It feels good to give yourself a tick. We haven't grown out of that from being little kids that get a gold star. So staying accountable and writing down your habits that you've completed is also a really great way to make sure that your habits stick. I love that. And I couldn't agree more with the sort of dopamine hit that we get or that endorphin hit that we get after we give ourselves that little tickle. We give ourselves that little gold star because I live by to-do lists. I always got one in my phone and I'd tick off little things, even if it's the simplest things like go and um, post some orders for some of my products at the post office or, you know, have some lunch today, like tick, tick, tick. And that always makes you feel so good and like, you you know, you've been successful in the little moments. So I like that in between the accountability and that, um, you know, ticking things off as well to make yourself feel good about that habit. Yeah, so true. I'm also a big timeless person, but I will take it a step further. And if I've done something that wasn't on my list, I will write it down just so I can tick it off. (laughs) And it's like you automatically write it down, tick it off, and it just makes you feel so good, doesn't it? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, it feels like a great sense of accomplishment. And on that, I think that brings me to a really important question because a lot of us, when we do really great things, of course it makes us feel good and we think, oh, I did that. I now deserve a reward. So I guess this sort of ties into a little bit of self-sabotage, but what would your suggestions be where people are creating these new healthy habits, but then they're almost rewarding themselves in other ways, which is kind of going against the new healthy habits. So for example, they're exercising, um, you know, five, six days a week, which is a great new healthy habit, but because they've exercised, they're now like, well, I can have some chocolate at nighttime each night because I went and did such a great session at the gym today. Well, I guess when you think of it that way, those rewards are also habits that they're creating. And it's really about breaking those as well. Our mindsets are habits. The way we think is habitual. And of course, the way we behave is habitual. And it's really about being mindful of those behaviors and those decisions and going, 
is this serving me? Is this something that's going to help me and my goals? And if not, then that's a habit that we need to look at breaking. Or using, I I like to say to my clients, using something that's a non-food-based reward. It's totally okay to reward yourself if you've had a great week of gym workouts, but let's reward ourselves by going to bed earlier. And isn't it funny that the older you get, the more you appreciate how important sleep is. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I get to go to bed early tonight. This is the best day ever. Exactly the same. I actually was like, wow, I'm getting older. The moment that I had this thought. Yeah. 21 year old me would be so ashamed right now. (laughs) So true. Shaking head like, oh, Leanne, what have you become? Uh, Like a good night's sleep for me is just like everything. It's like top of my priority list these days. (laughs) This is life. Agreed with you, girl. I'm interrupting this episode for a quick healthy break to introduce you to the episode sponsor, Anna Louisa Jury. That's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A. I'm excited to partner with this brand as they have a sustainable mission and their beautiful pieces of jewelry are stunning, yet timeless, versatile, but most importantly affordable, with pieces starting at just $39. US So if you're wanting to spoil yourself or your loved ones, check out Anna Louisa for 10% off at shop.analouisa.com forward slash Leanne, as I cannot get enough of their gorgeous pieces. So for 10% off, you guys can use my code, which is Leanne in capital letters, or head to the show notes for my discount link to treat yourself and your loved ones to some Anna Louisa jewelry. Now let's head on back to our podcast episode with Dr. Gina. Alrighty. Well, as humans, and I'm not sure if there's, you know, research and science to back this up, but I personally feel that as humans, myself included, sometimes we can have more bad habits than good ones. Is that where the research is pointing us? And if so, why is this? Why do we tend to develop more bad habits than good habits? Mm, It's really variable. I'm not aware of any research that shows that we generally sway from one, like from like more bad habits to good habits. But what I can say is that the busier we get, the more we live by convenience. Mm. And convenience is not going to foster good habits most of the time. Convenience is convenience eating. It's doing a quick workout or no workout. It's grabbing processed food on the way home because you don't have time to cook or too tired to cook, for example. Staying up longer and later means feeling exhausted and therefore not looking after our bodies. So I think living by convenience and also adding on to that, not always being conscious of our behavior or the consequences of our behavior until we've repeated something so much that it actually becomes a habit. I think those two things contribute very strongly to why we have, you know, a large amount of unwanted habit. Yeah. And would you say that you mentioned around um, even like being that little bit more mindful as well, do you feel like that ties into almost A, creating the good habits and B, stopping some of those bad habits as well? Because when we're doing those automatic things, it's safe to assume that we're probably not being mindful. (laughs) Absolutely. Spot on. I mean, habits are subconscious, which means we're not conscious of them. So a lot of times, actually, I'll ask somebody about a habit that they don't want to be doing and I'll say, what's so good about it? What, what do you enjoy about it? Say smoking, for example. What do you enjoy about smoking? And they're like, oh, I've never really thought about that, actually. I don't know why I do it. And oftentimes then there's this aha moment of this is not serving me anymore. Mm. I don't need to hold on to this anymore. But it takes this like insane amount of mindfulness. Sometimes it takes somebody asking you a question 
or you really sitting down and reflecting on your choices to be able to go, oh, actually, I I don't want to do that. So perhaps would you say the first step to breaking unhealthy habits is actually just sitting down, maybe with a pen and paper and writing down some of the things that we do on a regular basis that don't serve us? Absolutely. Yeah. And it works the same with forming new habits as writing down some of the things that we want to implement in our life mm-hmm. that would better align with our values or our desired lifestyle. Because breaking unhealthy habits, it's hard, isn't it? And I think that's the biggest thing I hear from my clients is they're like, it's just hard. And it's even though I know that this habit doesn't serve me right now, like even though I know that lying on the couch for an extra hour and watching Netflix on the weekend when I should be getting up and moving my body, I know that that's going to benefit me, but it's hard because it requires so much extra energy to do these new things, doesn't it? And you mentioned that in the start. Yeah, and it does. And it's not easy. And that's what I tell people. There's nothing sexy about this. (laughs) It's going to be hard. You're not going to want to do it. But the beauty of habits is that once you do start getting off the couch and doing a bit of exercise, the more you do it, the easier it becomes. So that, you know, starting is always the hardest part, right? And Eventually you get into the rhythm of it until, you know, one day you you think, oh, why would I lie down? I want to be exercising. It would feel strange if I didn't do this. Becomes part of your identity. Absolutely. And I guess it brings back to one of the number one things you were saying in order to create good habits is to start small because it brings me back to this thought where so many people, particularly, you know, the start of summer or the, you know, first of January, we want to do all of these things all at once and we go gung ho, we overhaul the diet, we start exercising, we don't buy any junk food, we, you know, we um, go to bed early, we meditate every day. And then I think it's come, you know, the second week of January, 90% of people are off the wagon and none of those things have stuck. Is it because we're trying to do too many things too fast, too hard? Like you said, that intensity over the consistency of it? That's exactly spot on it. It is too, that's exactly what I tell people is that you've tried too many habits or too many changes. They're too big and they're just too hard. They're too far-fetched. And you use the word overhaul, which I love because that is so what we try to do. We're like, right, I'm not happy with my life. I'm going to overhaul all the things and we try to do it all at once. And it's so important to remember our brain is only capable of making up to three changes at a time. So you can only really change up to three things. And when I say three things, I'm talking about if there's roadworks down the road and you have to take a different way to get to work, that's going to be one thing that you've already had to change that day. It really shows you the limitations of our brain, which is an incredible organ. But I think we overestimate the fact that there's still going to be stress. There's still going to be low motivation on days and we can't always help that. There's still going to be tired and sick kids that we have to deal with. There's going to be all this stuff going on in our life. We're not going to feel like doing all these changes we set out to do. Mm, And I find that so fascinating and it makes complete sense when, you know, we have to make so many new decisions every day. And I'm just thinking about this example where I um, had a chat with one of my coaching clients this week and we came up with this great plan. She was going out and she was going to have some dinner and some drinks with her friends. And we came up with this great plan, like make sure, you know, the chips and guac aren't in front of you. Of course you can have some, but we don't want you mindless eating. You're just going to order, you know, two drinks and that is it. And we talked through the menu and then she sat with this panic text being like, oh my goodness, the restaurant's full. We can't get in. We have to go somewhere else. And for her, I think it was just this overwhelming amount of new decisions she had to make at this new restaurant that just felt completely overwhelming. She's like, I don't know how to handle this. Yeah, absolutely. And that can be so overwhelming. And, you know, the more decisions that we need to make throughout the day, 
the less capacity we have for future decisions. And that amount is going to be different for each person. But it's important to be mindful of the fact that if you have had a stressful day or an emotional day or whatever it might be, you've had to deal with a a negative email or a difficult meeting or a hard conversation, you are less likely to have the capacity to make good decisions later on in the day. That's how our self-control works. We, it, you know, it gets depleted mm-hmm. over the day. And that's why setting habits is important because we don't need self-control. We don't need conscious decision-making. It's just something that happens. You can tell I'm a huge habit advocate here, can't you? Absolutely. No, but I love it. And honestly, it's something that so many people struggle with, which is why I was so excited to put you on because even myself, like, sure, I might have the health and lifestyle habits nailed down minus the flossing, but I still struggle, you know, with even just procrastination and sometimes putting off the big things in my to-do list, like around tax time, my accountant's chasing me and I'm like, oh no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to look at my receipts. I don't want to even think about doing my, you know, bass or putting my st- uh, business stats into zero or anything like that. Totally. <laughs> so we all do it in different areas of our life. And it's it's so interesting to even, I love that you explained how we can only really focus on three new things a day. And if we've had something blow up at work and then we get to school to pick the kids up and, you know, one of them's you know, lost something or, you know, hasn't had a great day or got in a little bit of trouble, that's already two big new decisions we'd have to make for that day. If the rest of the day we planned on exercising and making a healthy meal and not having a drink at all on a Friday night, it's easy to see how things become overwhelming and why we just don't do them at all, isn't it? Yeah, exactly right. And that's why it's really great to streamline things as much as possible. So if you plan to go for a walk after work, get your shoes out, have them ready. Let the husband or wife know that you're going to be off for that period of time and Kids are their responsibility. You know, get your music playlist ready for your walk or download a podcast that you're really looking forward to listening to. Having those systems in place can really encourage us to make healthy decisions, even when we have had a bit of a rougher day. And if it's just one thing that we have to focus on, it's like, I just need to go and get this walk done and then it's done. And then we're ticket off and we're done from here. And I guess that then creates a little bit of motivation or a little bit of momentum and potentially you might then make easier, healthier decisions for the rest of the night versus if you didn't go for that walk at all and completely just read it off, then things would feel a lot harder for the rest of the night because you almost feel like you've already failed. Absolutely. And you know, if you're scheduled to go for say a one hour walk and you're just not feeling it, Go for a 15-minute walk. Tell yourself, I'm just going to go for 10 minutes. Most of the time, you're out already and you'll still do a fairly longer walk. But just start small. You know, it really comes back to that start small. It's really just about getting your foot off the board and just taking that first step. 100% because the first step is always the hardest, isn't it? Sure is. Yeah, and then once we're out there, we're like, oh, what a beautiful day. The fresh air, yeah. the birds, the trees, the kids aren't screaming at me. I'm going to stay a little while longer out here. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Alrighty. And then one of my final questions for you, Gina, is really around motivation. So a lot of people feel like to create a habit, they need motivation. Would you say this is true in some respect or how does motivation tie into habit forming, I guess? You definitely need some motivation to start a new habit or to stop an old habit, but motivation is only really required in those initial phases of habit acquisition. At the very beginning of, say, forming a new exercise habit, you need motivation to get yourself out there, 
And it's going to be a process of one step forward, two steps back, or two steps forward, one step back. Every day, every week is going to be different. But once you start developing that habit and it really becomes more automatic and more ingrained, you don't need any motivation to continue doing it. You don't need motivation to make your morning coffee or to... (laughs) To live the lifestyle that you do, it's just something that's fairly automatic for you. Somebody else looking into your lifestyle would think, wow, Leanne's super motivated. She's doing all this stuff on a daily basis. I'm struggling to even do one of those great lifestyle choices. But for you, it's a lifestyle, Leanne. It's something that you've just been doing. Sure, you needed motivation to start it. Mm -hmm. And some days you probably still need some motivation. But overall, you default to living a fairly healthy lifestyle. And that's because you've created habits around those actions. So motivation, when you think of it, is only required at the beginning. And I think clients or, you know, people really like hearing that because motivation is hard work. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And it's up and down all the time. You can't depend on it long term. But if you just keep it in the back of your mind, right, I only need this for the first few weeks potentially, then I won't need this anymore. It helps you to stay motivated, to stick with that habit. And I think particularly, especially as you mentioned, if you're just focusing on like one or two small things, I find it's easier to keep that motivation going versus if you're trying to do like eight, nine, 10 things every single day, like have my green juice, not have any sugar, exercise for 60 minutes, call my mom, um, do my meditation, journal every day. The motivation wears off because you're like, oh, I've already done six of those things. How the hell am I going to do the other four things every single day? day. <laughs> exactly. It just becomes too much. And when you think of motivation, like, you know, a bank account, for example, and every one of those new habits that you're trying to create is going to pull out a, a debit amount from that bank account, you're going to run out of it for the other things. And so focus on what you really want to achieve. Start small, do it consistently. Once that's developed, build on it, but don't try to do too much at once. You're just going to set yourself up to fail. And I love that quote you said at the start, the consistency over intensity. Yeah. The secret sauce is consistency. Pick one thing and do it well. And then once you've nailed that, you can move on to something else. Exactly. Wonderful. And then I think my final question for you is really around What can people do when they feel like they've just totally fallen off the wagon, like they were going so well and then something happened? Maybe they got injured, maybe they lost their job, maybe they got sick, whatever it was, and they just feel like everything's fallen down. They're like, I am completely starting over. I put on all the weight again. All of my good habits have gone. What's the easiest way to just totally restart over without feeling completely overwhelmed? Is it like we discussed just starting with that one thing or any other tips and tricks you've got for our listeners? Because I feel like a lot of people, particularly in the last year or two with COVID, really do feel like a lot of their habits have kind of gone out the window because so many things have changed and so many things are outside of their control. I think it's important to almost expect to have moments where we're going to fall off the wagon. You know, life as we have known it has not been at all, you know, it hasn't been normal, it hasn't been predictable, it hasn't felt safe at times. And that in itself is fairly overwhelming. So trying to live the lifestyle that we wanted pre-pandemic world, during pandemic world is actually fairly unreasonable most of the time. I would say, firstly, expect to have moments of falling off. If you expect them, then you're not so down on yourself when they do happen. And I 
I don't like saying it, but they will happen. It isn't, Brene Brown says this, it's not a matter of if you fail, it's a matter of when you fail. And I'm going to use the word fall off rather than fail. Mm -hmm. It's really important as well to try to get rid of all or nothing thinking. If you're all or nothing, you're going to go, okay, well, I'm not all, which means I'm nothing. If you can just start by just doing that one thing that we talked about, and you might not do it every day, you might not do it as frequently as you wanted to, but you're doing it more than not doing it at all and being proud of yourself for doing that, that can really help to improve your self-belief or self-efficacy and prompt you and motivate you to keep going with it. Be kind to yourself. Be really kind to yourself. And, you know, the biggest trick with what I call setback strategies is to pick yourself up quickly. Don't wait till Monday. Don't wait till the 1st of January. Don't wait for the gyms to reopen or whatever it might be. Just pick yourself up quickly and in the smallest amount that you can with what you have in the time you've got. I love that because so many of us, we do, we wait till Monday, we wait till the 1st of January, we wait till summer's beginning or whatever it is, or we wait till there's, you know, four weeks till our friend's wedding and then we're in panic mode and we're like, oh, I've only got four weeks to fit in my dress. But you're right, Mm. if we just start the very next day or the very next meal, or I like to say to clients, most humans will eat three, four, five, six times a day. If we always recognize that every opportunity that we eat is another opportunity to nourish our body, we haven't failed if we went and got KFC for lunch, we've still got two or three more opportunities for afternoon tea, for dinner, for supper to make a really nourishing choice as well. So I love that, that one of your tips is not waiting, not being perfect and waiting till Monday or waiting till the holiday's done or whatever it might be. It's just the very next opportunity you have can be a really wonderful opportunity, can't it? I love that. Yes. And it's so true. And it brings about such a, there's a simplicity in that. There's like, okay, I didn't make the best decision about this, but I have an opportunity in another few hours or whatever it might be. I mean, I said, don't wait till Monday and you took it next level, which I'm loving. And you're saying, don't wait till tomorrow. So, so good. It's a perfectionist in me. I can't help it. (laughs) (laughs) We really do though have a mantra on this podcast that I always say for our listeners at home. And perhaps if they're listening for the very first time is 10% better. So we always just say, take what you're doing and take it one step forward or just that little tiny bit more and do it today. Don't wait for tomorrow. Don't wait till Monday. Just do something right now because you get the motivation, you get the momentum. And if you just take that first little step, it encourages you and creates that momentum to want to keep going and want to keep going and do that little bit more. So if you had McDonald's for breakfast and KFC for lunch, you could still have an apple for afternoon tea and make a wonderful nourishing salad or something like that for dinner. You know, the day is not lost. It's not all over. But I think the the perfectionists in so many of us, particularly females, see that as I'm a complete failure. I'll write off the rest of the day and wait to start again tomorrow. Yeah, that's such brilliant advice. And, and we know from research that self-compassion is actually what creates good and healthy choices. It's not being down on yourself you know, it's none of that. It's actually self-compassion, which really falls into what you're saying. There. Yeah. And I love that. And we could all do with just that little bit more of being a little bit gentler and kinder to ourselves, couldn't we? We all can. Yeah. Wonderful. All right, Dr. Gina. Well, if there was one thing that you could leave our podcast listeners with today in terms of healthy habits, long-term success, one lasting tip for us, where would you go with that? Or what would you let our listeners know? It's a tough one. Oh, this <laughs> Yeah, it is a tough one. I'm going to say one that's a little bit left field, actually, and it's Mm. do what you love. 
if you don't love running, don't run. If you don't like meditating with using a certain method, don't do that. You know, I remember last year through the pandemic, I was trying to think of some de-stressing strategies and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this meditation app. And I was so bad at it. It was stressing me even more because (laughs) I was so, so bad at it. And then eventually I actually just started to step outside and I've got a beautiful big backyard and I was just playing around with my puppy and that made me de-stress so much more than this this meditation app that I was trying to use. And, and it was such a, a beautiful moment in my learning journey where I thought, this works for me. I don't have to follow the status quo to say that I have to use a, you know, a meditation app, for example, to de-stress because this de-stresses me. So my advice or my tip would be do what you love, do whatever exercise you love doing, eat however your body feels the most nourished and don't feel like you have to compare and follow the crowd. Do you? Yes, I love that. And I love that you brought in that little element of self-compassion for yourself and went, you know what, this app isn't working for me. I'm going to go outside and play with my puppy because that makes me feel good. I love that. (laughs) And I wish I had a puppy to get me through the last year or two as well. I bet. Oh, you can borrow her anytime. She's currently chewing on some blanket outside. (laughs) Oh, oh, I love it. It's my dream in the next year or two once we get our house up and running to actually, yeah, to get a little puppy. I can't wait. (laughs) That would be amazing. I can't wait either. Wonderful. And Dr. Gina, finally to finish the podcast, I'd love for you to let our listeners know where they can reach out to you, where they can find you on Instagram and a little bit more about your wonderful habit course because I coach clients. I don't work in the traditional dietetic model. I do a 12-week coaching program and I myself have always had coaches throughout my whole life, whether they were sports coaches or business coaches or a coach at uni or anything like that. So I find that coaching and accountability is something that is really important for me in terms of long-term success. So I know your wonderful habit course um, can provide a lot of accountability for people as well. So love you to tell our listeners a little bit more about that. Oh, thanks, Leah. And so firstly, you can jump on my Instagram is Dr. Gina Cleo. So I've got a couple of websites. If you go to drginacleo.com, then you can locate the two different courses that I offer or there's the habitchangeinstitute.com. So the two courses, basically, the first one is called the Habit Practitioner. It's a habit practitioner course where it's for coaches and educators and healthcare practitioners and it's anybody really who works with clients. It could be a manager, a teacher, a dietitian, all sorts of people where you work to help other clients to change their habits and you become a certified habit practitioner. And with that certification, you get ongoing training. You learn everything from neuroscience all the way through to the art of motivating clients to why we do the things we don't want to do, how to form and break new habits. It's all, it's the most comprehensive course that's available for habit change. Then my other course is called Habits for Change, and that's for everyday people that are wanting to change their own habits. That one is in the works, but it's on its way soon. So hopefully by the time your listeners are listening to this, it is available. But if you jump onto drginacleo.com, you can learn more about that course there. Wonderful. Thank you so much. It sounds exactly what so many people, probably even myself included, need this year. (laughs) 
Thank you. Yeah, it's, I've had such amazing feedback and I can tell you it has been by far the most rewarding thing that I've ever done is to be able to translate this research that generally sits behind paid walls in science labs mm-hmm. and to bring it out into the community so that anybody and everybody can benefit from learning about the power of habit change. Oh, I love that. And please do let us know when it goes live and we'll make sure we put the links in the show notes as well so people can easily find that. Will do. Thanks, Leanne. No, thank you, Dr. Gina. The pleasure has been all mine. It's been a wonderful chat and thank you so much for giving up your time on a Friday to let our listeners know all about all of your expert tips and some of the research behind health habits. Of course, I've absolutely loved chatting with you. Thank you.